This episode of the Supply Chain Brain Podcast is supported by Dunn & Bradstreet, a leader in commercial data and analytics for improving business performance. Be sure and stick around after the discussion for a look at the company and what it offers to global businesses. But now, on to the podcast. You might say that compliance and procurement classify as hazardous duty. What are professionals saying about their jobs today? Hi, everybody. I'm Bob Bowman, Managing Editor of Supply Chain Brain, and this is the Supply Chain Brain Podcast. The jobs of compliance and procurement are among the toughest in any global organization. These are the individuals who are charged with keeping their companies on the right side of regulators while ensuring the reliability, safety, and security of suppliers. So it shouldn't surprise you that they have a number of concerns about their roles today. They're laid out in the latest Compliance and Procurement Sentiment Report from Dunn & Bradstreet. Here to explain the findings of the survey and the lessons learned from it, is Brian Alster, DNB's Global Head of Supply and Compliance. Turns out there's good news and bad. Professionals believe their programs are effective. At the same time, they're worried about changing regulations, fraud, global sanctions, and technology. It's a complex picture that highlights the modern-day challenges of compliance and procurement and how those critical areas are changing. So here is my conversation with Brian Alster. Brian Alster, welcome back to the show. Thank you very much, Bob. Great to be here. Always good to have you. Now, Dun & Bradstreet has issued its second Compliance and Procurement Sentiment Report relating to, again, procurement professionals. And I'm fascinated by the use of the word sentiment because we're very familiar with consumer sentiment reports. This seems, though, a little unusual that you would choose that word. It's so intangible and kind of hard to nail down. It implies to me feelings, and yet you've come up with what you call a sentiment score. Was that at all a challenge? And what was kind of behind your decision to to use that term for a study of this kind? What we were trying to accomplish when we did the survey was we wanted to really have two distinct purposes. The first was, Bob, as you and I have talked about in the past, we really believe that there is this convergence going on in the industry around how compliance professionals are doing their job and how global sourcing or procurement executives have to go about doing their job. We believe that their roles are starting to converge. They're asking many of the same questions of many of the same entities, and we believe that this convergence is going to bring to light the need for them to collaborate more often. So this sentiment survey's first goal was to see if that hypothesis was happening on a larger scale across both sides of the Atlantic Ocean in the UK as well as in the US. The second goal of the survey was to have a better understanding of what the overall sentiment was and is, how it's changing, and what the key barriers to success are. So 
I want to be clear that when we defined success, we weren't necessarily looking to define whether or not we were building a sentiment index around positivity or negativity. We were going to let the responders dictate on what their overall sentiment was and is and how it's trending and then what the key barriers are that are causing the index to go up or down. Now, this is your second such report, is that correct? Yes, this is our second of three this year, and then we will continue to do between three and four every year. Do you pretty much ask the same questions every time, or do you tweak it for different approaches? We tweak it, and the reason we tweak it is we usually try to learn additional topics and drill down into new layers based on the responses from the prior survey. So one of the things that we like to do is, for example, in the first survey, we were really trying to tease out what those key barriers were. And then the second survey, we took a little bit more of a process of drilling down into some of the things we heard in the first one. And we'll continue to have two, maybe three or four questions that are consistent every single survey. So that way we can ensure that the sentiment index maintains its integrity. And then from there, we will ask some additional questions to continue to learn what the biggest drivers of success and what the biggest barriers to success are amongst these procurement and compliance executives. And you have, in fact, developed what you call a sentiment score, which seems to be an attempt to quantify, again, what might be considered to be kind of an intangible feeling. It looks like you've successfully done that through a number of major themes, which I'd kind of like to cover one by one right now, starting out with this idea that an overwhelming percentage, I believe 88%, said they were confident in the current effectiveness of compliance and procurement. Can you explain to me what they mean by that? What are they talking about when they say they're confident? The effectiveness of their function is really focused on whether or not they have the tools necessary to do their job on a day-in and day-out basis. And what they're saying is they believe that their role is adding value to the overarching, whether it's in procurement or in compliance. Whatever organization they're in, their particular role is adding value. Do you think that they view their role differently in terms of how they are viewed by the C-suite, by top management? Do companies in general look on their procurement departments for different types of things than they used to? Yeah, I think that's a really good question. And while the sentiment index did not specifically call out that differentiation between what their executives in those organizations believe the value is of those roles, I do believe in my conversations with customers, we are seeing a higher requirement of due diligence, a stronger expectation of due diligence by the C-suite And I think that we're seeing that for two or three reasons. First and foremost, I think everybody understands that right now, compliance executives and and procurement organizations around the globe are one of the first lines of defense, and the last lines of defense, actually, in trying to mitigate risk to a company by doing business with another company, a third party. So, yes, I think that there is that need and that pressing urgency, and I believe that that comes from the top down. The second is that I believe that from conversations with customers that executives are expecting organizations to do more with the same resources and therefore they have to find ways to be more productive. That's why there's such a reliance on either shared information and 
automation or technology. Certainly, it seems like top management these days is looking at procurement through a risk management lens in a way that it didn't before. Would you say that's a fair evaluation? I absolutely agree with that. I also think they're looking at it as a brand protection requirement. And that is that, you know, the old saying, I think Warren Buffett said it best, it takes 20 years to build up a brand reputation and it takes five minutes to tear it down. (laughs) And I see that as an absolute requirement of these organizations to protect the company, not just from real economic risk, but also from brand risk. And I see that as an ever-growing responsibility of these organizations. With these tasks before them, it would appear that procurement professionals face a number of challenges that emerged in your study, starting with regulations. Just over half apparently said that regulations have increased risk to their business in the last three months, which maybe was that the last time you took the study. I'm not sure. But what do they mean? What kinds of regulations are they looking at that are causing them concern? Yeah, I think this, they came at this from two sides. Anytime there's a change in policy, there has to be a change in process. And anytime there's a change in process, you have to change what you're doing to make sure that you're complying with the regulations. So I think first and foremost, the biggest challenge is just simply the rate of change and being able to ensure that your processes and policies are keeping up with that change. And like I said, compliance organizations, procurement organizations, they are not deemed as revenue growth areas, even though they have responsibilities for revenue now and responsible growth, the challenge is is they have to do more with the same or less resources. And having to deal with an ever-changing regulatory environment where you're constantly having to tweak your policies and procedures makes it a challenge for them. So that was the first thing that we teased out. The second challenge that they're seeing with the changes in regulation is that the technology that they are utilizing may be older technology that doesn't have the ability to accommodate the new changes that come with new regulations. So being able to react with policies and procedures is one, but then being able to change your existing processes and making sure you have the tools to accommodate those changes, I think is some of the other frustration. Interesting emerging from the studies is this idea that they view technology as something of a double-edged sword. In certain ways, they're saying technology has proved to be a barrier, and in certain ways, they've said it's proved to be an enabler. Let's take that one at a time. In what sense do your procurement professionals view technology as a barrier? Technology is a barrier, predominantly based on what I had just mentioned about the challenges with regulations is their current tools are not able to maintain the pace of change that's commensurate with the regulatory environment. I think that's a predominant driver. There is one subset as well that doesn't believe they have the technology even as a baseline to enable them to do more with less, meaning how do they automate the due diligence process? Because like I said, when I say that global procurement organizations now have new responsibilities beyond just the prototypical expense management, they are now responsible for accelerating the due diligence process so that third parties are being onboarded quicker so that we can maximize revenue and impact the top-line growth. If an onboarding process takes weeks or months, by reducing it to days or weeks, that accelerates the process and thereby positively impact the top line. Okay, so in what sense do they view technology as an enabler? Because they also have a positive view of it. Is that existing tools that are out there or way in which they're using them or what? Yes, it is definitely a driving force in both the compliance and the procurement functions, and it's definitely being viewed overwhelmingly as an enabler. 
to success in those roles. Over two-thirds really do find that technology is helping them do just that, accelerate the due diligence process by enabling them to quickly bring in third-party data, being able to commingle that and enrich it with information that they've gathered from that third party and the supplier, and being able to determine very quickly where they need to devote their time and energy to ensure that they want to conduct business with this entity. Well, there's certainly no lack of data in theory for them to draw from in the era of big data, in the era of social media. Do they feel like they haven't quite got their arms around that massive amount of data out there yet that maybe they could make better use of it? Yeah, I think that's always a challenge. Again, we haven't really touched on that specifically within the sentiment survey, but I do want to call out that in the conversations we've had with our customers, they're calling out two big drivers that they're focused on. One is being able to use technology to ascertain insight from all the data they're collecting. I'll give you an example. If they're collecting four, five, six different data points to help them determine whether or not, and when when we're talking big data, it's actually not six data points, it might be 600 data points, to be able to determine whether or not any of these data points can actually help them make an assessment of risk. What we are seeing in the industry is the advent of utilizing risk assessment engines that can quickly take all of this information in and based on pre-configured assessments by between the customer and feedback from the customer, we can go ahead and identify ways to turn big data into big insights without having to labor with manual work by the individuals that tasked with this. So one is being able to use technology to drive insights from big data today, which Today, unfortunately, a lot of the big data that sits out there is either structured but unusable uh, because we're not ingesting it or unstructured and it's not ingestible. So I think that those are ways that we're helping the industry is, is relying on technology to drive that. Artificial intelligence and machine learning would seem to provide a solution to what you just described, the ability to accept and massage and interpret and prescribe based on a mass of data that no human could possibly cope with. Is that the case? Do they view it as possible enablers going forward? Because I doubt they're using, making much use of it now. You hit the nail on the head. That was the second tool I was going to suggest is the use of AI, machine learning, robotic process tools are all ways that they're seeing the way that technology evolves to enable them to do more with less. So yes, you hit the the nail on the head. Artificial intelligence and the manner in which AI is being utilized today has to accelerate in order to enable procurement and compliance organizations to keep up with the ever-changing pace of change. Another future or kind of on the cutting edge type technology that seems like it could be applied very well to the whole idea of due diligence and compliance is that of blockchain. Have they mentioned that? I know that there aren't many actual use cases of blockchain in action at the moment, but it certainly seems to hold potential in that area. Yeah, this is something that has definitely not come out in the survey, but it is something that is starting to come up on the peripheries. I would say that this is a technology that the industry is starting to embrace and some organizations and companies are starting to take a more proactive view on how it can assist them in becoming more efficient, but also in a way to do things they haven't done before. Some examples in the industry that I have seen and that are specifically in the financial services space, being able to expedite transactions between two entities. And the second is around shipping. 
being able to expedite the process to bring somebody that has goods and services and then somebody that wants to buy those goods and services and being able to very quickly utilize blockchain and ledger technology in order to drive efficiencies in those processes. So we have seen that starting to become a major capability that I expect 2019 to take a major leap forward. And I do expect us to tease that out in upcoming surveys. Now, do you think that all of these factors we've been talking about, procurement on one side and compliance on the other, is leading to a convergence of those departments to the point where they might actually become the same function within a company? Absolutely. I will tell you, I have two examples of the convergence in real-life conversations. First and foremost, the survey itself has supported that. In fact, we've seen over half of the respondents who do not have a combined compliance and procurement function said that their responsibilities are starting to converge and that the two have a very or fairly positive outcome. Additionally, for those that do have responsibilities on both sides, they are starting to see the need to bring greater consistency in the data and the processes together so that they're actually reaping the efficiencies within their own processes. We have actually experienced this as well in conversations with customers. Two examples that come to mind, we have a hospitality company that recently has brought the responsibilities of the procurement organization and the compliance organization under a single leadership within the CFO suite. And then we've also seen examples in other industry where those same responsibilities are being brought together under general counsel. So we are starting to see some larger organizations recognize the need for greater collaboration of both policy and data and technology to further streamline this process, but it's not just streamlining. It's making sure that they're utilizing the same consistent data to have a unified decision. That doesn't mean that if I want to take somebody on as a customer, that I have the same decision as I would for wanting to take on that same cost partnership as a supplier. So you can have different outcomes, but you have to utilize the same data points and decision-making skills to ensure that you have an aligned process for those decisions. So summing up, can you generalize from the intelligence gained from this study and previous studies what you would consider to be procurement professionals' biggest fears or concerns for the future? There's probably three or four top concerns. Number one is they are being required to do deeper due diligence and they're expected to have a higher level of quality of due diligence, and they're being asked to do it in shorter and shorter time periods. So how do they accelerate the due diligence process? That's number one. Number two is how do they keep up with the ever-changing pace of regulations? Every time they turn their head, they're being asked to comply with enhanced regulations, new regulations, or because there's a global activity, being required to comply with regulations in a new market. That's something that they have to overcome. And then the third is just the ongoing monitoring that goes on. Once you successfully do a due diligence and onboard a third party, unfortunately, the process doesn't stop there. You have to continuously monitor those entities and identify the rate and pace of which you recertify them. And that has to go with taking a very strong risk 
based approach to your onboarding process. Ryan, could you trace for me Dunn and Bradstreet's history of expertise in this whole area of procurement and compliance? How long have you folks delved into this area? We've been in this space for a while. Dunn and Bradstreet was born out of credit data, which is one of several risks that you have to continue to review and monitor as you determine whether or not you want to do business with a given entity. The fact that we've added on secondary and tertiary tools to further monitor and determine the risk profile of an entity has brought a natural progression into the compliance and the supply risk monitoring space. So it's been a very natural progression. And over the last several years, we've really started to bring two key concepts to the forefront. One is our core data capabilities. We have best-in-class data. We've been able to merge our best-in-class data and identity resolution tools to be able to then pair that with our data enrichment process. So we've been able to add a lot of strong information around who ultimately benefits from a transaction, how our corporate and shareholder linkage adds value to make sure you really understand who ultimately is benefiting from a given transaction. We've added in some additional capabilities such as screening and additional enhanced due diligence. We've even brought in a level of managed services to do a lot of the tasks that some of our customers either don't have the scale to do or are looking for a level of expertise that they don't have to get economies of scale. So we've been able to bring a lot of that together over the last few years. And in fact, I'm actually looking forward to a new solution that we're going to be rolling out in the first quarter of 2019 that aims to accelerate the third-party due diligence process by taking our best-in-class data and putting a brand new user environment that brings flexibility, configurability, dashboard reporting into a single platform that enables our customers to really, for the first time, accelerate the due diligence process from end to end. It certainly seems like it would be a great challenge for you guys to keep up with all of the changes that are going on out there in the procurement and compliance space. I assume you have representation all over the world in order to help you do that. Yes, we do. We absolutely have resources all over the world, and we will continue to grow our resources as the ever-changing environment continues to take shape. I see two areas of where we're going to continue to grow. One, we have to make sure that we're bringing subject matter experts into our organization that can assist us in helping to maintain an understanding of where the market is going, what those pain points are, and then having customers give us candid and honest feedback about whether or not our products are meeting their needs. And then two, continuing to utilize technology to drive cutting-edge solutions. Dun & Bradstreet has prototypically been known for our strong data assets, and I think that over the course of the next year, you're going to see our compliance and supply organization really start to push heavily on utilizing technology to deliver tools to our customers that will assist them in expediting the due diligence process while creating a greater environment to mitigate risk. Brian, I want to thank you for joining us to discuss the results of Dun & Bradstreet's latest compliance and procurement sentiment report, as well as some of the challenges that procurement and compliance professionals are facing today, and a little bit about Dun & Bradstreet's own expertise in this area. Thanks so much for being with us today. Thank you so much, Bob. 
That was my conversation with Brian Alster of Dun and Bradstreet, talking about the challenges of compliance and procurement in global organizations. Our thanks to DNB for sponsoring this episode. We're online at www.supplychainbrain.com, where you post a new episode of this podcast for streaming or downloading every Friday. You can also read my Think Tank blog, watch thousands of videos, and access all of our other content, including the digital edition of our magazine. Look for us on Facebook and LinkedIn. Follow us on Twitter, at SCBrain. You can also download or subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. Got any comments or suggestions on this or any episode? Email me at rbowman at supplychainbrain.com. See you next time.